This is Darrell Lalia, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast, episode 119. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobster, the cash flow ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. But whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place mr hollywood himself presents the before the millions podcast and now your host deray olalaye yo what is going on btm tribe we're back for another installment another episode of the before the millions podcast so look if you are struggling to understand what to focus on in your business, right? And and you're falling short of your goals this month, this quarter. You're not hitting your revenue marks. You're not hitting any major profit milestones. This episode here, guys, is with Mrs. Monica Shaw. And Monica is going to break down the step-by-step process for blowing past your progress markers, for creating 3x revenue in your business in the next month, 60 days, 90 days, we're going to walk through it. And it's not just going to be a pie in the sky. Hey, here are some of the things you can try to do. No, we're going to give you a step-by-step what to do to 3x revenue in 90 days. And it's simpler than you think for a lot of people. And we're going to bust through some of these mindset beliefs. We're going to bust through some of these challenges with our time. We're going to talk about some money exercises, and we're going to talk about fear, resistance, procrastination, and some of the other things that are holding us back. And then we're going to top it off with the number one thing you should focus on in your business, at least in the first two years. And I 100% agree with Monica. So I cannot wait to get into today's episode. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Reason being is that we drop an episode every Tuesday morning, and I don't want you to miss any of my fantastic guests or any of my fantastic solo episodes, which by the way, I've been doing a lot of lately. So if you go ahead and subscribe and then head back in the vault to some of the more recent previous episodes, you'll get a lot of solo content from me, which is a lot of what you guys have been asking for. So I'm delivering that. And also, if you're subscribed, you'll start to notice that we have some bonus Friday episodes. These are shorter 10 to 15 minute episodes to end your week with a bang. Now, one of the more recent bonus episodes I did was a Facebook Live, and that Facebook Live was conducted in my Facebook group. So if you're not yet in that group, head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash group, because not every Facebook Live will make it, and not most of the Facebook Lives actually will probably make it as an episode on the podcast. So definitely head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash group. And what's really cool about you participating in these Facebook Lives is that you get to actually ask me your specific personal questions live. And of course, my favorite thing about it is I get to build new relationships. 
I'm also on Instagram. So head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash Instagram and you can find my profile there or you could just type in my name in the Instagram search bar at Duray Olalia. Okay, so new members of the tribe. Now that you're subscribed, go ahead and share this episode with one, two, or three people that you think could benefit that are in their first stage or the first few stages in their business. And they're trying to wrap up revenue, right? They're trying to stay afloat and they just haven't yet been able to figure out how to do it. This episode is for them as well. So go ahead and share this episode with one or two or three people in your direct circumference that you know can benefit from this episode. They'd be glad to even think, to know that you're thinking about them while you're in the midst of improving your life. That speaks volumes to that individual. So send this episode to that person now. DeRay's tip of the week. Okay, so tip of the week. Now, although I'm not going to tell you the number one thing that you should be doing in your business right now, especially as a brand new business owner, that's in your first or second year, Monica is going to explain that to you on the episode. What I am going to tell you is that your primary focus in your business, the arena that you should be playing in is sales and marketing. If you're at a point in your business where this is your primary focus, great job. If you're not yet at that point to where you've started sales and marketing, you're probably still in the early, early stages of your business. And I'd actually recommend that you go listen to episode 117 of this podcast. That's beforethemans.com forward slash episode 117. And I literally give you the step-by-step process for starting and building your real estate related business. And that's going to be a fascinating episode that's going to walk you through from, hey, I don't even have an idea about what I want to do all the way to the point to where it's just like, hey, like I have a full fledged business with products and services. Now, back to those of you who've already started, begun and actually have seen some success in sales and marketing. As you know, the sales cycle is very cyclical, meaning that You can get a large influx one day or one month or one week, and then it can be a complete desert or ghost town the next few weeks or months, right? And that's not the way to have a sustainable business. That's actually more of a hobby, right? Because you're not having predictable revenue or predictable income every quarter, every month or every year. And in order to have that business, it needs to be systematic. Now, one way that many people explore to create some type of predictable income are ads, paid ads. Right. Because when you have a certain budget set aside for paid ads, meaning that, hey, these ads, especially online, they're going to show up for the people who need your help, who want your stuff. Right. They're going to show up in their newsfeed, on their social media or in their search queries. And there's a ton of different types of paid ads. And I've had a few episodes now on the show that you guys can go back in the vault and really learn about some of these paid ad methods. But for this tip of the week, I want to focus on the fact that Facebook ads are probably the most powerful, the most targeted paid ads out there. Now, paid ads are always dependent on what it is you're selling, whether you have a product or a service. So for me, for an example, in 2017, most of my ad budget, most of my marketing budget went to paid ads via Google AdWords. Again, not Facebook, but Google AdWords, because my primary revenue generator was a physical product. Same thing for 2016. This is before I really got deep into coaching and consulting. But in 2018, all of that flipped on its axis and I realized the power of paid ads because I had a different product and service to offer to my community. 
So I wanted to get in front of those people, but I also wanted to have predictable income every single month. Now, a few episodes ago, we talked about the power of SEO, search engine optimization. And SEO is powerful, which in a nutshell helps you rank. Let's just use an example. It helps you rank on the first page of Google. Now, this is not a paid ad, right? This is an organic search. So somebody searching sell my home fast in Philly and you're the first query that comes up, you will have all the business that you can handle. But it's very hard to accomplish this feat and you have to be very, very skilled. So on the opposite end of that, you have paid ads. And this is just spending a certain amount to automatically get in front of your target audience, automatically get in front of these homeowners that are looking to sell their house. And it's predictable, meaning you'll get in front of the same amount of homeowners every single week or every single month, depending on what your budget is. So you're therefore guaranteed if you have a sales and marketing process, right? If you know how to properly have a sales and marketing process, you're pretty much guaranteed clients every single month. No questions asked. Now, here's the difference between paid ads and organic search. Now, again, that that sell my house fast person in Philly that searched for sell my house fast in Philly and they saw you as the first organic ranking return. Well, again, they there's a, a strong likelihood. I think it may be anywhere from 18 to 25 percent that they're going to click on your ad, that they're going to click on your result. Now, right above your result, there are going to be maybe one, maybe two, maybe three or four other results that are returned, as you guys always see when you go to Google. But as you guys know, these first three or four, they're actually going to say ads. So they're going to look like a normal organic search return, but they're going to be right above the number one organic search return, which also gives these people prime real estate so that the homeowner that's selling their house fast or needs to sell their house fast in Philly may possibly click on that real estate as well. Now imagine occupying both parts, right? So you occupy the second half of the screen with the organic SEO search and you occupy the first half of the screen with some paid ads, right? I mean, that that's just when you double both. But again, most people start off in one arena or the other. There's nothing wrong with either one. Sometimes people say that SEO may take a lot longer and it's a lot less predictable because you don't really control any of that, right? Some people might say paid ads may take a lot longer because you have to test and tweak and start to learn how to filter and figure out your audience. And this is a lot of what I was doing last year, but I was doing this on the Facebook side of things because there's a big difference between your target in Google and your target in Facebook. Your target in Google are pretty much people who are searching for a solution right then and there. And they're more often inclined to take you up on your service or your product than a person on Facebook. But at the same time, a person on Facebook, the way you're able to target people, right? Because you can actually filter by age, by demographic, by profession, whether or not somebody's a homeowner, There's so many things that you can filter by. You can get really, 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 really specific on who your ads are coming up for. So both search engines, and there's a ton more out there, but both of these are the biggest giants in the game and they're both super powerful, but they both serve a slightly different purpose. And you kind of have to go about them in in slightly different ways. Now, I know this may sound like a whole lot of mumbo jumbo right now. So if you're you're at all confused, again, head over to beforethemans.com forward slash mastermind. And this is something that I love to just kind of dig deep in with my group. 
think last year my budget for paid ads, just to give you guys a rough estimate, my budget per, for paid ads per month for Facebook was about $2,500. And that would bring in a ton of leads, right? And from those leads, you start measuring the conversions. And actually I have a paid ads workshop coming up for my mastermind members exclusively. These are the types of things that we actually do in my mastermind group. It's crazy. If you're interested in a group like this, head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash mastermind. We currently have a waiting list, but again, doors are going to open really, really soon for registration. But we have a Facebook paid ads workshop coming up because myself and my mastermind members are starting to recognize where paid ads are really going in 2020. And it's something that we want to have a whole discussion about here in the near future. And it's something that I think that if you're at a place right now to where you've already built out your business and you're not yet seeing that predictable stream of income, you may want to start looking into paid ads so that you can have what we like to coin an actual formidable business, a sellable asset. And you can start to feel some of that comfort if this is something that you're looking to use to completely leave your day job. You can start to feel some of that comfort that you can actually have predictable income month after month, as opposed to the usual entrepreneurial roller coaster until you get to this point. So again, this tip of the week is really just having you guys start thinking about paid ads if that's where you are in your business. And if this is something that you need help with, this is something that you want to discuss, I'd love to have this conversation with you. I love talking about these things. Um, so you can either head over to beforethemillions.com. You could email me, Deray, at Before the Millions. Or if you want to be in a group that kind of has these conversations every single week, just head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash mastermind and apply today. Whatever you do, just decide to not remain in the dark about how to efficiently and effectively automate generating leads in your business day after day. Now let's get to the show. And now your feature presentation. On today's episode, I am super excited to welcome Mrs. Monica Shaw. Hey Monica, how's it going today? It is so good, thank you. Where are we talking to you from today and what, what's kind of going on in your neck of the woods? I am in Brooklyn, New York, and I'm in Williamsburg, which is Hipsterville, right outside New York City. And today's a great day. It's actually beautiful out and I'm finishing early today, which is exciting and fun so that I can get ahead for the weekend. That is awesome. I want to kind of give maybe a 10 second or 15 second spiel from your point of view as to your area of expertise and what you like to focus on. Yeah, I, I'm really clear that I am shameless about people making more money. <laughs> and I do it for two main reasons. A, I love money for myself and I know for others because we all deserve to have a really great lifestyle, especially if you're building and growing a business or you're working really hard. It's like we want to be paid well for what we're doing and we want to be able to put our head down on a great set of sheets and a great pillow and be able to eat really good food as a reward for the work that we put in. But also I, what I know to be true is that the second real big reason for this is that I know that if we put enough money into the hands of the right people, that this world is going to look like a different place. And that's really what I'm about. I have a whole tribe of mostly women and a few good men that are making more money. And what they're doing with that money is changing their world. They're changing their communities and they're changing their worlds at large, the world at large and making things better. And I believe ultimately that it is through financial freedom that we're going to see the most change. 
because legislation doesn't always work as quickly as we'd like it to do. And in some cases, we go backwards instead of forwards, both in this country and internationally. And so what I know to be true is that I think the fastest change is going to be made through putting a lot of money in the hands of the right people who are change makers. So that's really what I do is I teach people how to really shift their mindset and clear their blocks around money and then get really clear on how they're going to be able to double and triple their revenues so that they can make the changes that they want. I love that. That is beautifully said. And I want to take a little bit of a different approach down memory lane as we do on the Before the Men's podcast with every single guest that comes on the show. But my question to you is this, as we, as we kind of start down your path, because I mean, money is, a, money is one of those subjects to where you bring it up and people cringe, people don't want to talk about it. It's like, it's taboo. Was there anything in your life at an early age that kind of had you feeling just like everybody else, like I shouldn't talk about money, I shouldn't make money. Some of those beliefs, again, I wanna, I wanna touch on the beliefs that maybe you grew up with, the beliefs that you inherited, and kind of start from there and then work our way up to how strong of a belief you have that money is good and that we should make as much of it as possible. So maybe take us back to maybe your first, or you know, some of your earlier beliefs about money and where they came from. So everything that we do around money, everything that we experience around money, how we handle money in our businesses and our lives actually stems from when we were little. And it stems from everything that happened generally between the ages of zero to seven. Now, most of us don't remember specifically things that happened between the ages of zero to seven, but that's really where a lot of your subconscious memories, all your beliefs, your habits and values, where they came from. And that's because between the ages of zero to seven, you absorb everything. You see things, you hear things, you experience things, and then they, you take them in and you don't have the ability to say yes or no. Like, yes, I want to believe that. No, I don't want to believe that. Yes, I want to follow that habit. No, I don't want to follow that habit. You're like a sponge. You just say yes to everything and it sort of becomes either like how you live and how you grow. And as adults, we have a tendency to either go with it, like go with the things that we saw and heard experience, or whether consciously or subconsciously, diametrically go against it. And so for me, when I was little, I am first generation. So my mom and dad came from India in the 60s. And my mom and dad had very different perspectives around money. So my dad came to this country with $1,000 in his pocket and ultimately joined an engineering firm and then bought the engineering firm and then grew it to three states and then sold it when I was in college. And so his perspective on money the whole time, his very like belief system was he came from a family of 13 where they didn't have very much money at all, very little money. And he came with the belief system of, I don't want my family to ever worry about money again, ever. And with that belief system, not only did he generate a legacy, you know, with his business, but he was also very generous with his money. And so he, you know, I grew up watching him be able, like, not only be very generous with his money with us, but also like give money to the community. Like when the massage therapist needed a new printer, my dad loaned him, you know, gave him the money to to do that when the temple needed a new building, my dad contributed to that. Like there's all kinds of things. And that's a very strong influence for me. Like I have a very strong belief system around we should all have money 
and money only makes things better. <laughs> when we all have more money, we literally make each other and the world better. So it's part of the reason in my own business, you know, I've built a seven-figure company. We've been a seven-figure company for multiple years now because I don't really, I thankfully had a really good role model for that. However, my mom, on the other hand, grew up and she grew up in literally her first single personal shower that, you know, or bathroom that was like, that she could use on her own was when they first moved into their first apartment together at 23. So she did, she also grew up in a tough situation, but she didn't necessarily have the best money beliefs, was always afraid that it was going to run out, even though she lived with my father and he was very generous with money. Like, so for her, there was always stories about it's going to run out. We're not going to have enough. And so she would do things like one of her beliefs. And I still carry this is you shouldn't buy food at an airport, right? Because sandwiches are always overpriced at an airport. You know, you spend like 20 bucks for like a sandwich and a drink that you would, would cost you like 10 bucks somewhere else. And we all know that like, that's just an accepted thing. But in my mind still, I will go to an airport and be about to go on like a five-hour flight and I will have to fight myself to buy food. Like there's a part of me that has multiple times been like, no, you can't eat. <laughs> like even though you, you run a company where spending $20 on food is not that big of a deal anymore, you still have to like second guess yourself four times to buy a meal before you get on a plane. And that is for sure conditioning from her. But what's interesting is that, and this is where we can all start to kind of get in the power with ourselves, is that I have awareness around her beliefs. And she's also, you know, gave me some great beliefs as well, you know, around not taking money for granted, you know, about not being entitled around it, that I also got from her. However, I think now, you know, as an adult, I'm constantly like when I do have like a desperation belief that comes in or a thought around, I can't do this, or everything's falling apart. I know that comes from my mom's, you know, insecurities and my mom's fears. And they're not really mine. They're not my voices anymore because they don't need to be. And I have the awareness to be able to say no, right? And to be able to, to let that go and turn a different direction. I love that. I love that. And, you know, I think about the phrase, popular phrase, you know, what got you here won't get you there. And now that you are, you have a, a seven-figure company and you still fight with some of these internal beliefs and some of these, you know, some of these internal struggles, I'm just like, is there a point in which you're just like, okay, I need to change my beliefs around, like, so, so using that airport example, because I, I believe I've gone through the exact same thing, right? <laughs> it's crazy. I know some of the listeners are like, yes, that's me, right? So using that example, should your mindset change in reference to things like that? And if it doesn't change, does that affect you in your business? Or does that tell you something about what's not working with your money mindset? So totally. So the, the short answer is, yes, you should change it. However, the longer answer in the you know, more real answer is that I always tell people when you're looking at beliefs and habits and values that are yours, quote unquote yours, as you start to unpeel the layer of the onion around those habits, beliefs, and values, you're going to realize that 90% of them are not yours, right? 90% of them are your mom's, your dad's, your grandmother's. Some of them are not even 
yours, but you don't even know where they came from. Your ancestors, your genetics, your genes. If you believe in past lives, you might've brought them in from a past life. If you're highly spiritual, you might've brought them in from another plane, right? There's lots of places that they come from that aren't necessarily yours, but you're never done, which I think is kind of what you're getting at, a little bit of what you're getting at, which is that I say new level, new devil, which means that for sure I have cleared so many beliefs that right that kept me stuck under a hundred thousand, and then I cleared a whole nother set of beliefs the year because I went from a hundred to three hundred thousand in one year, right? And I cleared a whole nother set of beliefs there. Then going from three hundred to seven fifty, I cleared another set of beliefs, and it's not like I was sitting in one space clearing these. What happens is you start to take actions that are going to get you to the next level, and as you take actions that are going to get you to the next level, oh, there it comes! Like this belief pops out this fear pops out, this resistance pops out. And often fear and resistance and procrastination are signs that there is some belief that is stopping you. So every time I hit a new level, I would hit fears, resistance, procrastination, avoidance around something. And then I would unearth, well, what's the belief there? What, what is it that I believe is going to happen if I actually do this? And that is sort of an ongoing process. And you're going to hit new sets of them every time you grow. And I happen to be measuring my growth with my money because I'm a business owner. But it happens for all of us. You can measure your growth with just things in life that are happening to you as well, right? Like having a child, (laughs) having a second child, getting married, right? Like these are all different ways that you can measure your growth. But every time you do, you're going to hit a new set of resistance fear, procrastination, avoidance, and then really being able to have the awareness to unpack what that was. And to to give you one insight around it, like, you know, a large part of my business is speaking on stages and even speaking to you right now, this isn't part of my fear because, and I had a huge amount of fear around stages and being seen when I first started this work, like doing one day events, doing three day events on stages was a huge deal for me. And so I had to clear and release a lot of my beliefs around what would happen if I was really seen, what would happen if I commanded a stage and really stood in power in front of an audience, because I think I had beliefs around not being good enough. And I know I had beliefs around not being good enough. And also I had something that I call the healers self-sabotage, which for a lot of healers and service professionals, there's a fear that if you really step into your service in a big way, and it doesn't even matter if you're quote unquote an outward healer, like if you're somebody that just has intuitive gifts and you, you know, you're a business manager or you're an accountant or a lawyer or a real estate person, there is a fear that, that if you step out in a big way, something bad will happen. Like you'll get hurt or you'll have objections, or people will have resistance to you or criticize you. So I had that big time too, and I really needed to work through those. And, it, and I did. And so for sure, to get back to what you're saying, if I had kept those, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I released them. And now it's really fun for me to be on stage. Like I really look forward to my three-day events and my one-day events, and people can feel that. But it definitely took me a while to step through it. And it was all through taking actions and then clearing the fears as they came up. Monica, when did you first become aware of this, this inner self-talk and that you needed to start counteracting the inner self-talk that you grew up with? When did you first have this awareness per se and what did you start to do about it? I think that 
So I've been coaching for 15 years. And as a coach, I've always seen it with others. And I, so I have an ability to see it with others, both energetically and also to be able to identify where it might have come from. So I see it in pictures as well with the people that I've been coaching. Now, for myself, what's interesting is, and I think this, I think maybe your listeners will relate to this. I, for my first and second year and my third year of running this company, my second company, I really just tried to push through everything you know, like just make it happen. And I did actually, right. I built the company, you know, built it to a big amount of money and crossed that seven figure mark and did all the things I wanted to do, but everything felt really hard while I was doing it. And I got to a point where I thought it's not worth it to get something you want, but be struggling before, during, and after. <laughs> and that mental struggle, right. Of, of like, gosh, I'm really tired and I have to push through this and I don't really want to do it again. And that is actually for myself where I started to make the connection of, oh, there has to be an easier way. And the easier way is when you look inside and you start to work on your own fears and you start to work on what you're avoiding thinking and looking at. And when you do that, the reward that you get is that you do the same actions you were doing before, but it not only is not painful, it can actually start to be fun. I love that so much. So even walking through your 15-year process, Monica, I mean, you've, you've gotten a ton of experience, right? And you've had clients to the point to where you know you can probably spot people's pain points to a T. And again, you're in the business of helping people become their best selves through their business, through the revenue that they make. And I kind of want to walk through the different stages as people begin to become entrepreneurial, or as people begin to start their businesses, whether it's build their real estate portfolio or grow their real estate business, right? I want to first talk about the ground level because again, going back to that phrase, you know, what got you here won't get you there. So the person that a professional has to be today to completely leave their day job, right? With a business that they start from scratch, like that person, who that person has to show up as. So for instance, I did a workshop the other day. It was called uh, Seven Reasons Why Doubling Your Rates Will Double Your Success, right? I was talking to, to my mastermind members and I was telling them that I have a client that she is not taking the proper action to hit six figures in her business. She's just not doing it. She's not making her call. She's not following up with, with sellers. She's just not doing the things that she needs to do to hit her goal. And we can argue that there's a ton of different reasons why she's not hitting her goal. But the number one reason I believe, and you may agree with this, I just kind of want to get your feedback, but the number one reason I believe, going back to that phrase, what got you here won't get you there. The number one reason I believe she's not able to hit her goal is because she doesn't actually believe it's possible. Right. So if her plan is to make 10K a month with real estate, and that is her plan is to make 10K a month in real estate, there are certain activities that she knows that she has to perform so that she can get leads and those leads kind of turn into deals. Right. Those activities are not being performed. And then we had a session that was supposed to be about 30 minutes, lasted almost two hours. And I was like, why do you think those activities are not being performed? And we really dug into it. And we came to the conclusion that she didn't actually think it was possible for her to get a deal done. Because if she did, I told her, I was like, hey, if I write you this $10,000 check today and I post-date it for 30 days out and you know for sure that you can cash this check, your name is already on it, all you have to do is cash it if you perform these tasks. 
how differently would you show up? So again, she went from not having enough time. She needed all her sleep. She doesn't think it's possible. Like she went, all her beliefs went out of the window and she said, I would 100% do everything that it took because I see the check right there. And I said, that person, how you feel about that, that is how you have to show up now. Because most people are like, no, like I need to see it. It needs to be proven first and then I'll believe and then I'll do the work, right? But it's like, no, like you have to be that person first. So I want to talk about how people should start showing up to be that entrepreneur that can leave their day job. And then I want to progress to how people can hit that six-figure revenue mark because you're predicated on, hey, we can 2X, we can 3X, we can 4X our revenues. There's just certain things that we need to do, right? So maybe let's kind of walk through that first stage, like somebody who's just now starting out and they have some of these money beliefs. And again, we're all guilty of these beliefs. I have these beliefs, so you, you have these beliefs, right? But they have some of these money beliefs that are holding them back. What are some of the things that you can maybe recommend? What are some of the things that they should start thinking about? They should start doing? What are some of the exercises, right? I just want to give this person something tangible to be able to walk away with and be like, okay, well, I know that this is my problem and it's all my mindset and I need to figure out a way to work on it. What are some of those things I can start working on? If you're in a day job right now and you're looking eventually to leave that day job, I think that the first thing you need to start doing is doing the work you want to do. So whether it's real estate or service business or whatever, you got to create some sacred time to do that. And so if you're in that category, you're probably in that sacred time that you are working. And when I say sacred time, I mean that you are setting aside Literally, you're saying, okay, I come home at six o'clock. From six to seven, I eat dinner. From seven to 10, I work on my business, whatever that new business is that you want to get into. And then on Saturdays from nine to one, I'm working on my business. And from Sundays from nine to one, I'm working on my business. Or maybe you take Sunday off. But either way, you are first putting aside sacred time. And the reason I call it sacred is because if your friend calls and says, I want to do brunch on Saturday, you're going to say no, or you're going to move your work time to Sunday and make sure that you, you know, do your brunch on Saturday. But either way, you're going to keep sacred time. So that's piece one. So that's first is that I would, I don't recommend that people sort of just jump out without a net because there's a lot of skill sets to learn while you're working for someone else. Then the second piece is, let's say you're either, you know, you've got that piece down, you're working on your business or you're already out of your professional job and you're working on your business. The second thing to understand fully and foremost is there's only one way to increase the money in the bank account, only one way. There's, you know, from all the million marketing and sales techniques out there, there's only one way to increase money in your bank account and that is to ask for it. And so that is a sales conversation. And a lot of people get very confused about what they need to be doing in their business in year one and year two. And really, it's all selling. And so I think that that's where beginning business owners start to get really like sidestepping is that they're like, oh, maybe I need a beautiful website and I need a beautiful brochure and I need to take great pictures and I need to even do a podcast. And like the thing is, is you don't need to do any of that. You need to get on the phone and you need to, to create your network and start asking for money. And there's two major ways to ask for money. One is one-to-one and one is one-to-many. And one-to-one is when you're having an individual conversation and one-to-many is when you're asking in front of a group of people or from a webinar or from a video. And generally speaking, everything starts with two different conversations. 
a connection conversation and a sales conversation. So a connection conversation is when you're meeting people, which I'm sure is what you're recommending to your client to do, is that she's reaching out and doing her connection conversations a certain amount every day, maybe an hour a day or a day a week, however you train people to do it. And then some of those connection conversations will ultimately turn into sales conversation, which is when you're asking for money or getting a deal in the process. Now, here's what's interesting is that the pieces that come up around this. So depending on the business that you're in, I recommend that you're having at least three sales conversations a week as you're building and ramping up your business. Now, that's a very big generalization. So you're going to have to specify that to the business model in which you are operating under as a listener to this. Sometimes that'll look like you're doing an hour a day, right? Of doing your reach outs and your sales calls. Sometimes it'll look like one day a week, you're spending a couple hours doing your reach outs and your sales calls. It's going to be different for every business on how it works. Now, the piece that gets interesting from a mindset perspective is once you get yourself to do that work and you start doing it, that's when the fears start to come up. And you want to get really specific about what you're not doing and when you're not doing it. <laughs> so, for example, if you set aside 9 to 10 to do your sales and your follow-up, and you wake up and it's 8.45 and you sit yourself in front of the computer and you notice instead of doing your sales calls, you're doing Facebook for that hour <laughs> or you're writing your newsletter for the hour, which we've all done. I've done it. I'm sure you've done it. Like we've all done it, right? The question is awareness. Can you be aware of how you've spent your time and when you made the decision and then look at that? So, and I know this is going to sound simple, but it's such a success habit of everyone who is successful is awareness and assessment. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> like aware. So it's awareness, it's setting goals, then having the awareness and then assessing. This is the learning curve that frankly, I go through every time I want to create a new habit in my life As I write it down. Then I try to do it. I don't do it. I mean, frankly, like I don't usually, I don't do it well. I don't do it right. I don't do it consistently for usually the first four to six weeks, sometimes at least two or three months. But the entire time I'm assessing at night, like I'm looking at what didn't I do? What different decision did I make? And how can I try again tomorrow? And so this is the piece where every beginning business owner has to get really good at setting intention in the morning, being a very aware of how they spend their day, and then assessing at night. But here's the key. You have to let go of judgment and perfection. You've got to let go of judgment and perfection. You know, I've had the grace and goodwill and blessing to have spent my entire life around successful business owners, starting with my dad and his community. My brother-in-law just sold his company. When my husband and I got married, we had 60 people there. 50 of them were entrepreneurs. It's crazy how much I've been around. And what's so interesting is that there's a natural tendency amongst successful entrepreneurs to not judge themselves. And to not only see, like, to not see failure, to almost be delusional about things that didn't work and to just keep going. <laughs> like, instead of being like, oh my gosh, the meeting didn't happen today. Literally, my dad will be like, we got the opportunity to have an extra long lunch. Like, he doesn't even address the fact that someone didn't show up. Like, he just, and it's a, 
granted, he's been an entrepreneur for 40 years now. He's 86, right? So he like has this in his blood and bones at this point. But there's something to be said about if you are going to really commit to intentionality and assessment, you also have to really commit to releasing judgment and shame about yourself, which means that all those critical voices in your head that frankly are not yours, right? A lot of them are your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your teacher, your priest, whoever person in authority shamed you or judged you. You got to learn every single day, step by step, you know, giving yourself compassion and empathy in this process to let those voices go and to know that every day is a new day. Because I don't care what successful people say, and I'm one of them. We are likely to say things like, yeah, you know, we built this business, we doubled our income, I lost 50 pounds, I got into a relationship, I have a great marriage. It's all based on everyday awareness and decisions. It's not based on perfection. It's really based on relentless improvement. So my motto in life is release the need for perfection, instead commit to relentless improvement relentless improvement every day. And I do it in every aspect of my life, like from my marriage to the way I treat my cat to the way that I am with my family. And I'm definitely not one that claims overnight success or even really being like a whiz kid, you know, at things. Most things that I have tried, I've been very bad at, frankly, when I first started them. And then I just am relentless at finding the teachers and the structures and the people around me to create improvement. I love that. I love that so much. And it's funny that you mentioned that, you know, most entrepreneurs, they literally think about success to the point of delusion. And I actually used to think I was crazy. And, you know, I would talk to people who weren't on my path and I would just, I would hear the things that I'm saying as I'm saying it to somebody else. I'm like, oh my goodness, that came out of my mouth. (laughs) And just be like, I know this person thinks I'm totally nuts. I'm crazy. But I mean, literally, I think that is one of the determining factors for how far you can go in something because of how much you believe in it, right? Or how much you believe in yourself. So when it comes to, you know, leaving your day job, when it comes to growing a six-figure business and then growing a seven-figure business, there are many things that you must start and that you must do and that you must implement at each stage. But some of the takeaways that I got from this portion of our conversation is that one, you need to have sacred time. Right. You need to have sacred time to make sure that you're you're doing the tasks necessary to put your best foot forward and to grow your business. Two, you need to have at least three. And this is a generalization, by the way, guys. We have at least three sales calls a week. Right. So calls in which you're asking for a sale. So in our language, these are three seller calls, at least, or three leads. Right. And leads in which you're asking to buy somebody's property. Right. And then another thing that we need to do is we need to assess our work. Right. So this is one thing that I feel strongly about, especially in 2019. And I've actually partnered with the journal company because I know that this is big. This is huge in terms of progress. The more and more you look at your goals, the more you write them down, the more you fall short of them every single day, but you write them down you're constantly reinforcing the fact that you have these goals, that you're falling short, you're seeing your progress, and you're going to make progress towards your goals because it's constantly at top of mind. So I love the assessment portion of this. I want to talk about really quick, Monica, that you mentioned earlier, you said something along the lines of, you measure your growth as a business owner by revenue, by dollars. And I love that, but I know that may not sit well with a lot of people. So I want you to break that down and tell me why. Because and maybe I'll kind of do a Fourier for you before you get into it, because I have a feeling I know where you're going to go with it. But it's almost as though you feel as though the more money you make, the more of an impact you have on this world. 
And that is the best measure. Money is the best measure for that. It's not as though you're this pig and you're just this capitalist pig who just wants to afford all this money, but you understand that the more value you create, the way that you're going to measure that is about the amount of money that your company is bringing in. So maybe expand on that a little bit more for me. I think that's great. And I'm glad that you caught that because I think it is different for everybody. And I think, so for me, it's true. Money is a measure of how much change I can make in the world. So, and for me, it seems like with every year of my life, I have more and more causes that I want to contribute to, more and more people that I want to help. Like just this year, we got a cat for the first time and he came in February and he's the best cat ever. And because of that, because I got this cat, suddenly now what came into my awareness was how many cats need help and how many shelter animals need help. And even just like the woman who actually saved my cat, he's a rescue cat, she actually feeds other cats on the street, but she doesn't have enough money to get them all treated by a veterinarian and neutered or spayed or whatever needs to happen in order to keep them safe and healthy. And so again, that became another cause for me to be able to give money to on top of my other things that I wanted. So it's like, almost like for what has happened for me is that as I have expanded my business and expanded myself and the container to hold that, every day there's also an expansion of my world that needs to be shifted. And every major movement in history has been funded. Everybody needs some sort of funding. When you think about Martin Luther King, Mother Teresa, they all needed food and places to stay and people to pay for gas and the cars in order to like get their movement going. So for me, that has been a measure of my growth only because money relates to the goals that I have, both for myself and for my family. Like my sister got divorced three years ago. And because I've built the company that I have, she not only came to my three-day event and worked the three-day event, she's now like totally building a whole career that I can help support. And beyond that, she doesn't have to worry about money because I've figured that piece out. And that's what I want to provide for my family. And so that's why I relate to money in that way. However, to be clear, I don't think everybody has to do that. In fact, I know that everybody doesn't think that way. And people may measure like if you're listening, you may measure your growth by the impact that you're making in the world. You may measure your growth by the amount of love that you give away to your children or to your family. It may be the kinds of activities that you're doing. Like if you're into performance, it might be the adventures that you get to take <laughs> or the travel that you get to do. So I think that there's not one way to measure it. However, there is something that is important just in the subtle distinction of measuring growth period because i think a lot of people don't do you know what i mean like a lot of people just go through life year upon year they make new year's resolutions at the beginning of the year they kind of fall away by february or march and then one year passes and the next year passes and there isn't necessarily a measurement of growth i think we're all growing all the time but i think having an awareness around setting intentions having goals and then being able to look at where you've come from is amazing, not just because we quote unquote should have goals. Sure, maybe, but because I think too many of us spend our lives thinking that we're not enough and that we're not doing enough. And the beauty of living intentionally is that you can't live in that lie because you know that you've done stuff. <laughs> you know that you've grown. You can see where your starting line was. You can see the actions that you're taking around it. And that makes it possible for you to really step into, I am enough. And more than that, I'm extraordinary. 
I love that so, so much. That is beautifully said. I have two last questions before we round out this, this section. And the first one is that I think about the fact that, you know, we're halfway through this year and maybe we could even do it by quarter because I don't know when this episode is going to be released, but I want to help our listeners at this point, especially the listeners who've already started their business, who, who are not looking to get started, right? But who are looking to actually double their revenue, right? In the next quarter from last quarter or in the second half of the year from the first half of the year or from 2018 to double here in 2019, but they're looking to double their revenue. What are some things that they can do? And I know that you have, you know, you have a way in which people can create more income without more effort by actually learning what to do. And I hope, hopefully you have some things that they can kind of learn to do. So maybe double their income in the next quarter or in the next half year or in the next year. Do you have any advice for us? Absolutely. Yeah. So the first piece is, is about tracking. So what you resist persists and what you become aware of grows. And so if you're looking to double your revenue, first we have to track it. Just like if you're looking to lose weight, you've got to track your food. If you're you know, looking to run a marathon, you got to track your running. And so the first piece is start tracking revenue. How do you do that? So take a piece of notebook paper. At the top of the paper, you would write down your 60 or 90 day goal for how much revenue you want to bring in. The reason I do 60 or 90 is because it's it's a way easier to get a client or a service or a product or an offering or whatever you're selling sold within a 60 to 90 day period usually than it is within a 30 day. And then write some sort of inspirational phrase at the top. That's just something that is going to help to combat beliefs and habits and values that you're trying to let go of. And then number that piece of paper one through 31. That stands for the days of the month. Every time you bring in money on a certain day, write that down. So if it's the fifth of the month and you bring in $5,000, you write down 5,000 next to the number five. And then you tally it up as you're going. So you add it up as you're going and you see how you're doing in relation to your 60 or your 90 day goal. Now, some of you may have a longer sales cycle. So maybe you want to do yours as a 120 day goal. It's okay. So whatever goal you want to hit. And the key here is even to write down days that are zeros. And again, to get used to this tracking system where you're tracking without shame, you're tracking without judgment. Now, if you're anything like me, learning to track without judgment is a skill in and of itself, right? Like I can't tell, I'm starting to track my food because I need to get back on track right now. And I got to tell you, I started yesterday and I have to, when I have to write down like the cookie and a little bit of ice cream that I had, my pen hurt, literally my hand hurt in writing that down. Like it was not easy. So learning to track without shame and judgment takes time. And it takes a process of surrendering and letting go when you're doing it, but it is a valuable skill to gain. And I recommend first that you do this. I still track every day. I still track revenue every day. I still have my 60 to 90 day goals. It keeps me really aware because once you're tracking your revenue, you start to understand the next part, which is the only way you will bring in money is asking for it. So if you want to stop putting down zeros, you are going to have to ask more and start doing the activities that generate more. Now, that's the next step that I'll share, which is the way in which you generate more leads overall consistently and sustainably is to position yourself as an expert. Now, this podcast, right, for you is a way that you're positioning yourself as an expert. For me, it's a way of positioning myself as an expert. People are much more likely to buy from you if they have seen you as an expert. 
So that is all marketing is, right? It is a fancy way of different ways of positioning yourself as an expert. So you want to think about how am I positioning myself as an expert consistently at least three to five times a month. Now, there's different ways to do that. My favorite way to position myself as an expert and what I recommend for all my clients is speaking, getting out there and speaking and having a point of view and speaking about it. And I don't care what industry you're in. You know, one of my clients runs a Montessori school. And I said, what's your point of view on Montessori? Get out there and speak about it. Because when you become an expert, you start to build a tribe of people that say, I'm going to work with her. I know a lot of your people are in real estate. What's your point of view about what people should be doing when they're buying a home or selling a home? If somebody's out there talking about that, they're likely to get people who say, she's got a point of view and an opinion and she seems smart. I want to work with her. And so positioning yourself as an expert, it could be through speaking consistently, doing videos consistently, doing a podcast consistently, doing webinars consistently. The key is consistency of doing it because it takes time, right? So I started doing videos. When I first started doing videos in my Facebook group, I did two a week. It was four months before we even started getting momentum and movement of people really noticing them. The good news though, is that I know for a fact, we've generated maybe at least $60,000 in sales. And we did that only after four months of people watching the videos, seeing me as an expert, moving on to other programs and products that we've bought and then wanting to buy. So decide how am I positioning myself as an expert? And that is a way of marketing that's generating leads. And then how is that then translating to a sales conversation and making sure that you're doing at least three of those a week? Because I'm just like, I want to take a couple quick tangents because you, you touched on some key things. And I want to, maybe I should do a recap first because first we need to track, track it. And I got, I wrote down track it. And this is 60, 90 or 120 days. And then I wrote down, ask it, right? So you're asking for the sale. And then I didn't have a quirky way to write down the third one, which was basically get out there, right? And expose yourself and speak. Let's just, and and we we cover some of the online ways of promoting yourself and some of those things, but let's talk about something more in person, something more local. You said you do a lot of speaking engagements throughout the year. Let's talk to a certain subset of people who want to start speaking. Like you said, you said three to five times a month. How does one get started down that path? Yeah. And the three to five times a month can be any positioning. So it doesn't just have to be speaking. Speaking is one of them. But if you're maybe doing speaking and then you're doing a sponsorship and then maybe you're putting yourself out there on a bunch of videos, that could be your three different times. But in terms of speaking, you know, it's interesting. Speaking is It is a full-on skill set. In my programs, I do, like I have a year-long program. I spend four 90-minute classes training on speaking. So it is not something to be taken lightly (laughs) in terms of how to get clients from speaking because there's lots of elements of it. But I think the first place to start is think about who your target is and where they're hanging out. So if you are, for example, looking at professional women, You might look at, for example, speaking at a spa, a gym, a certain restaurant, a club that they are belonging to, a association like Financial Women's Association, Media Association. You might be speaking at corporations where they work. And that just gets you started in terms of, I always sort of look at thinking about who's my market. And then I kind of think about like a full circle of their life. Like where do they eat? Where do they shop? Where do they vacation? Where do they take care of their health? Where do they get help from? Where do they work? And answering those questions are going to give you ideas for 
looking at, oh, these are different either categories of places that I could look at or even specific places that I can look at I love that. to either speak or create like some sort of partnership. I love that. And I was going to say, to, get, to give you guys uh, another example, one of my mastermind members, he runs a Airbnb property management service. So the way, to, he also does consulting on the side for people who want to get started in Airbnb property management. The way he gets new clients for his consulting to help them get started is he goes to meetups, right? He speaks at meetups. He hosts his own meetups. And this is literally him not, you know, him not getting speaking engagements, him not going out and finding, you know, different places to get booked at. But he's creating his own little community of meetups. And you can go any route. You can go both routes and you should try everything, right? But I'm just giving you guys another example in which it's very, very, very useful. It's a great skill to have. It's a great funnel to start if you're not speaking and you believe that speaking can help you in your business. Now, this may not work for everybody's business, right? So if you're targeting motivated sellers, this may not be the best. And then again, it might. You might be able to go to a real estate area meeting, right? But definitely see if this fits in your business model because it's by far amazing. And we're just talking about in-person local speaking now. One thing that Monica is touching on is the fact that you speak on webinars, you speak on YouTube, you speak on Facebook, on podcasts. I mean, now you have a global reach. Now you, I mean, I always tell people like, hey, like somebody's listening to me all day, every day, no matter what. And I don't have to do, I don't have to be there. I could be on vacation, right? But all day, every day, somebody's listening to my voice. Somebody's getting value from me. Somebody's listening to content. Somebody's intaking content. Somebody's signing up for a course. That is how you become, Grant Cardone uh, likes to say, likes to use a, a term from the Bible, but that's how you become omnipresent, right? And that's how you grow your business. So I love that. Now, you touched on another thing, and I like that you've gotten really specific with numbers, like, you know, three to five speaking engagements a month, things like that. So when it comes to content, right, and people are planning out their content for the next 60 days or 90 days, 120 days, because everybody's listening to your advice and they're about to start tracking. When it comes to content and how they're producing, I just quickly went to your website. I know you have a calendar, but, but when it comes to the content for the next few months, what does your content calendar typically consist of? How are you breaking things down? What are the outlets that you prefer when it comes to growing your brand and growing your business? When you say content, do you actually mean like written content or do you mean like marketing activities? Oh, both. both. You do written content, like blog post type written content or, or emails? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think... So the, the way that I plan out activities always is the top three positioning activities that I believe in are speaking sponsorships and webinars. And so I recommend that everybody do at least three activities a month. I call those revenue generating activities that are going to position you as an expert in front of people. So you're doing speaking or sponsorships or webinars. And for those of you that are in real estate, right, that are listening, I actually have a stager who I work with and she started doing speaking events on how to sell your home for more money and in less time. And she did them for just professionals, like in like all kinds of general places. Like she did them at community. She did them at like community centers. She did them at places where they did classes, like in the New York area. She did them at churches, at temples, at yoga studios. And what was interesting is that she pulled in people that are looking to sell their home, but then she was a stager. So she offers both staging services and do-it-yourself services. So she was able to really like pull in people who, we're thinking, oh, like I'm going to sell my home. But then they look at her and they think, oh, well, maybe I'll just have her stage it <laughs> and that'll be easier. And so I think for anyone 
I've actually met quite a few real estate professionals in New York who are doing talks everywhere, wherever there are professional people hanging out on how to sell your home, how to buy a home. And I can tell you as somebody who, you know, who was thinking about buying a home, I go to things like that to learn how to do it. Right. And if the person who is, is a broker, right, who's doing that, I'm going to be much more likely to use that person because they've taken the time and the energy to position themselves as an expert. So something to be clear about. And in terms of how I do it, I'm always looking 12 months out. So for us, we have a 2020 calendar you know, that's already up and filled up for what are the events and activities that we're doing every single month to bring people in, to position myself as an expert. We also do quite a bit of content work, like in terms of writing. So we do a newsletter every week. We do two videos every week where we're putting information out to the world. We do our social media posting every day. Now, keeping in mind that I'm a pretty advanced business, so I have a team of people supporting me to do this work and to create the content. So if somebody's just starting, please don't get overwhelmed with the need for content or then, you know, really you have to remember that the most important thing for you is to sell. So before you get all crazy about creating a million videos or creating a podcast or writing a book or, you know, doing your blog posts every week, really it's about selling first, looking at your list of people, making your follow-up calls and doing your sales conversations. That's where I started. That's where everybody starts. And then as you get more advanced in your business and you have more revenue, you can bring in more people to help you to create more content, like written content, video content, things of that nature. I love that. I love that so, so much. And I have this 12-part blueprint that literally, and I started with creating content. And my 12-part blueprint, that's step eight, right? But I didn't know any better when I first got started. I started with, hey, I need to create content and eventually, yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, now that I know much better, it's like, hey, this is step eight. You don't create content. <laughs> so step eight, like there's so much more in your business you need to do before you even think about creating business cards, having a website. But you know, most people, it's like, hey, in order for me to feel official and for everybody else to feel like I'm official, I need a website. I need a yeah. business cards. And it's like, no, like you don't even understand how much you don't even need those things in your whole first year. Yeah. It's like yeah. you really Absolutely. don't even need those things. And people, it's like that, that would irk so many people like, no, like I, I just wouldn't feel right if I didn't have, and I get it. I trust me, I get it. But to grow your business the way you need to grow it again, that, that's something that comes later on in the process. So you're focused on revenue and revenue immediately so that you do have a sustainable business. And, I think about what you said earlier about just creating, again, we're, we're talking about doubling revenue in the next 60 days, 90 days, 120 days. And just to add to your list, and it's something that you mentioned, but going back to even my blueprint, step 11 of my blueprint is to add new products and services that you don't necessarily have to go learn a new skill or a new trade or a new expertise. So you talked about that realtor and what she does and how she's creating multiple streams of revenue because of the business that she has. And I often see people do that. Going back to my mastermind member who manages the Airbnb properties, he created a new stream of revenue because he already had systems in place to run that type of business that he could just teach other people, right? And I saw this guy on Instagram yesterday going back to realtors, and I don't work with a lot of realtors, but I'm starting to work with realtors now. I mostly work with investors, but I've been getting a large influx of realtors as well. And you would think that as a realtor, there's no other way to monetize yourself, right? And I, I, again, I, I use a photography example all the time. There's a girl who does photography and she charges $300 and she thinks that her time is spread thin and there's no way to double her revenue by next month. And I'm just like, 
you have to take your skill and you have to start thinking as not a photographer, but as a business owner who owns a photography business. So what can you do to monetize? I mean, there's a million things, right? You can sell the prints, right? You can go teach an online course. You can host a webinar. You can have a group coaching session, charge $90. You can, you can actually freelance edits, right? You can like edit other people's pictures. I mean, there's, there's literally so much you can do to double your revenue in the next 60, 90, or 120 days. You just have to, again, you have to track it, right? You have to ask for the sale and maybe start thinking about some additional revenue streams in your business that doesn't really require a whole lot of work, if any work at all. So again, I saw this guy on Instagram and said, he's a realtor and I don't see many realtors do this, but he's created a secondary business teaching realtors how to market on Instagram, right? Like, I'm just like, that's pretty cool. I mean, we all, I mean, there are a ton of people who teach people how to market on Instagram. They may not have a niche. They may have a niche, but he just decided to take up on the niche of realtors. Hey, I'm going to teach realtors how to market on Instagram so that they can get more sales. And now he has a secondary stream of income, right? Because he's already marketing on Instagram to get more sales for his business. I might as well teach other people how to do it. And now, I mean, I'm sure that when he started that, you could easily go how, go from whatever your revenue is that month to the next month doubling your revenue just by something, implementing something so simple. So I love that you've been able to touch on that. Okay, cool. Monica, I have a ton of things right now that I'm just like, oh my goodness, we could, we could talk all day. And this is where this interview comes to a close because we have to come to a close. So I want to talk about your, I want to close out with this in this section. When it comes to your, your lifestyle design, what does your typical day look like? What does a day in Monica's world look like? I just want to talk about, you know, the fact that I mean, you're striving. I mean, we're never where we want to be, but you've come a long way, right? And the premise of this podcast is to talk to millionaires and entrepreneurs from all over the world who've achieved their ultimate lifestyle design dream because of their business. So I want to talk about your typical days, how they go, and what you most enjoy about these days. Yeah. So first of all, I think there's different periods of my year. And I want to be clear about that because I, one of my pet peeves is business coaches who talk about like their ideal days and their vacation days and their like light days, which are all well and good. But I believe that there's really three periods of a year, a walk period, a run period, and a sprinting period. So your walk periods are when you're relaxed and you're having fun most days and you start at a regular time and end. Your run periods or things are a little bit faster. You're doing a little bit more and you're sprinting. For me, I'm sprinting before an event. I'm sprinting before a launch. I'm sprinting before a vacation. And so I think it's important just to really get that. And for those of you that are out there that are comparing your sprints to somebody else's walk, please stop doing that. You're just beating yourself up for no reason. Most people do not share what their sprints look like. <laughs> They're much more likely to share their ideal, beautiful walk days. And so for me, I always like to start with that because I'm really tired of people like comparing themselves to a non-reality or to a non-truth. We all have sprints, you know? And so for me, I'm going through a walk period right now because we just finished our major events in May. And so it's been a really, like I was just telling my husband how lovely this week has been. And so for me, a normal, like regular day starts at some time. So I do my first team meeting at 1030. And then I do client work, you know, or meeting work from 11, usually till about five. And then from five to six, I usually do whatever catch up email, Facebook reply to Facebook posts, all of that stuff. And then I usually end around six. And yep, that's usually what a, a good walk day looks like. If I'm sprinting, it's usually the same hours, except I'll usually add in, like I'll get up earlier and I'll do 
maybe from eight to 10, I'll work on the business, like, you know, get stuff done and then start my team meeting at 1030 and then go into sort of fulfillment. And that, you know, on sprint days that happens more or sprint periods. And then during a sprint period, I may also work a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning as well. So I just like to be really honest, you know, with the fact that things really shift and it depends on what I'm going towards. I'm also someone that likes to grow right pretty quickly. And so if I'm really growing, then there's a lot of new skill sets that I'm learning and I'm putting in more time and energy. But I love what I do. And I think that's really important to note, right? That we're much more willing to work and do the work if you love what you're doing. And if you're also willing to delegate some of the grunt work, and delegate some of the things that are hard for you, it's going to make getting through a longer day that much easier. Lifestyle Design Acceleration Hacks. What is your favorite For the Millions book? A favorite book, like period. I would say The Surrender Experiment by Michael mm-hmm. Singer. Yeah, it's... I think if you've been in business, you know, for as long as I have, and, and, and this is true for most business owners that have really crossed their tenure mark, you start to realize how much you don't have control over and how you have to stop being married to your business and being on an emotional high or low that relates to whether your business is doing well or not. And that's true for life as well, right? Like when life does well, we tend to be happier. But really we start to get, I think as you get older and you've been in business that you can't control it. And for every good thing that happens, there's a more lower thing that happens as well. So I really enjoyed Michael's book on the surrender experience and how to, it's called the surrender experiment. It really talks about how he surrendered through everything that he went through. And then he also has like courses on surrendering that I've absolutely gotten so much out of and really living in an unconditional joy, which means that it's not conditioned on what's actually going on in reality. Love that. Crazy thing about that book is that that is, so the year's not over, we're halfway through the year. But a few months ago, I decided that that is my number one book of the year. That's oh, really? the book I've read three times this year. <laughs> I typically, I read about a book a week and I don't like to reread or rewatch movies and things like that, but that book is something serious. So I probably mentioned that book on every other podcast episode this year so far because it's that amazing. So I'm glad that you like that book. Yeah, and if you like that book, you should check out, Michael Singer has a course with Sounds True. Like if you go to soundstrue.com, he's got a four week, or I don't know if it's four weeks, but anyway, it's like a four part course on surrendering. That is also amazing as well. And it's like one of the best things I've listened to. It's actually more than four. I think it's like eight classes, but I've listened to that probably six times or eight times since the beginning of this year. And it's fantastic. So it's like the next step after that book. That is awesome. I'm definitely going to check that out. Do you And you said you listen to that. Do you listen to your books as well? I do. I listen to books and I listen to everything, podcasts, courses, etc. I run every day. And so it's part of like what I listen to when I'm running. Totally. I get that. And I'm the same way. And listeners, again, I always mention to you guys, but you can get two free audiobooks by heading to beforethemillions.com forward slash book. So pick up this book because I've been telling you guys this book is amazing and it'll really, really, really shift your mindset on a lot of things. Okay. So what is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. This isn't business, but it's Headspace, which is a meditation app. So yeah, I follow that quite a bit. It's not directly business, but I'll tell you what, the more I meditated, the more money I've made. Really? Flat out. 
I've been on this, like I'm trying to find my path in meditation. I've tried a few different things. I've been recommended a few different things, starting with the Mind Valley. Have you heard of Bishop like him? Yeah. So I've been following some of his stuff, but I still haven't found something that fits me yet. So I'll maybe check out his face as well. Yeah, it's great. Awesome. What do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? I am an introvert and who can be an extrovert when needed. And I love the fact that I get to choose the people I'm going to be around. So that really, like, it has kept my vibration up. It has kept me from having to deal with drama that I don't want to deal with. Like, it's been, I love that about being an entrepreneur and choosing this lifestyle. That is awesome. There we go. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? I have to work when I don't want to work, period. And I have to do things I don't want to do every day, all the time. And I think that's just part of being human. There are times when you want to stop and you have to keep going. There are times when you don't want to do something, but you have to do it anyway. And I think those are constant sacrifices of any entrepreneur is that it's just not always fun and happy. <laughs> so yeah. There you go. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? My dad. And I talked about him already a bit on this podcast, but he is the most generous and one of the most intelligent and psychic people that I've ever known. And he's been a huge influence for me. And I'm sure he's very, very proud of you. Yeah, <laughs> he, he is. Yeah, he's also like one of my best friends. And so it's very, I feel like I, I definitely chose him on the other side to come in <laughs> and be his daughter. That is awesome. Last but not least, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention of getting to the millions? I think most people are waiting for things to feel good before they do them. And I really think that is a societal thing that maybe happens even in the personal growth industry where it's like, you know, you have to make it feel good or, or you know, it has to, like, you have to feel like doing something. And the truth is, is that whenever anything's new, it is unfamiliar and it is uncomfortable. And for a lot of people, they're waiting till it feels familiar. They're waiting till it feels comfortable, but they're not actually allowing themselves to go through that process of jumping into the unfamiliar and making it become familiar. 100% right. And this is, again, this has been an amazing podcast episode. I've gotten so many value nuggets out of this episode. I have a paper full of notes. I know the listeners have gotten a ton of value as well. If any of the listeners want to learn a little bit more about you, where can they go to find some of your information or find some of the things you have going on? Sure. I think the best place to start is that we have something called the Done For You Money Making Marketing Calendar. And it is a calendar that shows you all of the marketing activities you should be doing, the frequency you should do them, the order in which you should do them. And these are the activities I was talking about earlier around positioning yourself as an expert. Most people are super confused about what they should be doing and how to systemize it. So I've made it easier for you to do that. And you can get that at revenuebreakthrough.com front slash marketing calendar. Revenuebreakthrough.com front slash marketing calendar. Awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. Well, Monica, this has been simply, simply amazing. We thank you for all the value that you've provided and we will talk to you very, very soon. Awesome, thank you so much.